The Brillo Girls is our fortnightly soapbox filled with conversations about art, life and everything that falls in between. Join us as we navigate and share their stories, celebrating the good, the bad and the ugly. Perhaps something you thought was ordinary is extraordinary. Welcome to the Brillo Girls podcast. My name is Antoinette Cavino-Beery. And I'm Teresa Sierra. Teresa, let's tell everyone about our podcast. And hopefully you are not all rolling your eyes at the mention of another bloody podcast on air. Sorry, but we had to. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It seems like the flavour of the month, as one would say, you know, especially in these surreal circumstances we're experiencing in 2020. Uh, We hope this one to be a little bit different. Inspiring. Uh, probably would be a good adjective we'd like to use. A bit informative uh, and who knows what direction it may take. But in the end, we hope you enjoy the conversations we share with you from our guest artists. They come from a variety of disciplines, visual artists, historians, authors, actors, writers, you name it, Teresa, we hope to have them on. Sharing their passions and practices, highs and lows, the good times with the uncertain times. We hope to get down to the nitty-gritty, the essence of how they work, how they develop their ideas, and then to the point, perhaps, uh, of what they do with their art and how they publicly present it. So let's get down to it. Episode one, Strange Days. So why the Brillo Girls? Okay, let's hit this question straight away. If you haven't guessed it, uh, to everyone listening, the inspiration for the Brillo Girls came from Andy Warhol's Brillo boxes that he created for an exhibition in New York in 1964. It was a series of boxes he made out of plywood. Basically, they resembled the Brillo washing powder that you know was available in the supermarkets at the time. And he pretty much uh, presented these works en masse in the gallery. And, of course, you know they made this very controversial sort of statement at the time. So I thought, you know, let's use it as our symbolic, you know, object for for us to create our own soapbox. And, and you know, that soapbox idea goes back, you know, way back when. Um, And and the idea of the soapbox, you know, as a platform, people threw it on the ground, they could make their own sort of stage to um, amplify what they wanted to sell. So I thought, you know, what a better way to um, create a platform for, um, for us to discuss and talk to different artists and creative people, you know, from various disciplines, give them a voice and also perhaps, you know, learn something new. Because, I mean, we don't know everything ourselves, but we love to talk and we love to, to learn and hear about other people's stories. And so, yeah, that's how the Brillo Girls came to be. <laughs> So what do you think, Teresa? We'll start with you. Let's start with me. Yeah. <laughs> so what brought you to art? What brought me to art? I guess like coming straight out of high school, mm-hmm. in high school you did the compulsory subject. So mm-hmm. I wasn't very good at anything other than art. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of my leading into being an artist. Yeah. And, you know, understanding what an artist is without mm-hmm. actually knowing it before going in. Did any of your family have any creative background that sort of might have inspired you to to try art? Um, my I grew up with my parents renovating a lot, 
and I guess it's a it's a different creative background because mm-hmm. you know we're looking at architecture here. We're looking mm-hmm. at you know what colors go with what interior design, yeah. um, structures, yeah, structures yeah. and foundations and yeah. things like that. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's three dimensional in the same aspect. Mm-hmm. So that's almost like my dad as a builder, mm-hmm. and um, my mum helped too. Yeah, uh, my mum she wanted to be an artist mm-hmm. and she wanted to be a watercolor painter, mm-hmm. and she's really good and it's very traditional but she never had that same opportunity when she migrated to australia Mm -hmm. so that was my little yeah 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 oh that's good and obviously they're encouraging um for you to pursue such a career or uh, yeah like they (laughs) they weren't the typical asian parents you'd say um they are they're very supportive and welcoming Mm -hmm. they knew that i had to go somewhere and Mm -hmm. i had to put my passion somewhere you know, life has to go somewhere. Mm. You can't be on pause all the time. So, mm. no, yeah, they're sure, very, sure. they're very like, mm. what do you call it? Like disciplining in that way. Yeah. yeah. So um, I remember when I first met you and we were discussing about your artwork, um, you started working with inflatables. Yes. And I guess, um, <laughs> you know, I've heard you occasionally say, you know, I'm an inflatable artist. Can yeah. you tell us what do you mean by inflatables? Give us a bit of a description, you know. So I make inflatables which is basically a membrane a plastic membrane in my case and it's been it's filled with air um and they're temporal objects and they're also very alive Mm -hmm. because they're you know they're moving they're humming um yeah well it's funny she said they're (laughs) humming because i remember uh i've seen some of these structures like um using clear plastics and this one particular um artwork that you created was like a bit of a patchwork of plastics, you know. Yeah, and, I mean that's uh, that's yeah, that's basically it, really. Yeah, um, and it, it was huge. Like I would say, oh, ta- it nearly took up the whole room. Oh, well, not the whole room, but it was a good, I don't know, eight meters by eight meters. Yeah, just yeah, say. yeah, yeah. Roughly accidentally so. eight meters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was really interesting because when you saw people walk around the structures, um there was like a bit of a hum, you know, mm. whether that was from the, the um, blowers or the blowers coming through or or just that little bit of flutter as people walking by. So to me it had that sort of, you know, vibration of a heartbeat, you know, like pulsating, you know, uh, not extremely violently but just pulsating mm. quite lovely. And do you like people, I guess, um, interacting with the artworks? Like because um, in this particular encounter, you know, people could actually brush up onto it and touch it, feel the yeah. sort of, you know, as if they were t- touching something sort of internally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit spooky in that yeah. sense. I, I want people to interact with it in a sense that they're bringing their childlike wonder mm. to the work and they're, they're interacting with it and being playful, but also you can kind of grasp the way that some people's personalities come out in a sense where. Mm. You know, if they're really careful with certain things or whether they're very strict with themselves mm. and they hesitate straight yeah. away. So you can read that mm. maybe a minute in to yeah. the interaction. So well, like, I guess with you, some of the sculptures are, are probably um, a little bit different, say, if they were presented in a museum because, you know, the museum or art gallery sort mm. of say, look, you can't touch, just look, don't touch. Yeah. So that hesitation that sometimes happens is – um because you know they're conditioned to believe that you know you, you, can't, you can't touch do, it so it. Yeah. yeah i i want to play with that and i want people to play with it and mm. i want them to to see because it is transparent so i want people to look at it you know at the patchworking 
I want people to know like this is a labor intensive work and also you can play with it and yeah. if it does get ruined then so what yeah and then what of mm-hmm. the the work you yeah. know mm-hmm. what of the form so yeah it's so how did you actually get introduced to the inflatables well I guess I wanted to I think it started maybe third year undergrad um oh no second year I was interested in air and how to capture air mm-hmm. and I was also looking at um what was it like cooking method gastronomy or something no uh, no so, oh. <laughs> the name escapes me but yeah. um, i was really interested in it and yeah. so like it was almost like this jelly form capturing mm. a substance and that substance was always liquid or something like that yeah. yeah yeah and so i wanted to do that with air as well so i made mm. like these air pebbles mm. i called them and that was the first work of air and i didn't have a blower at that time i just used a leaf blower so mm. dad give me the best blower you got yeah <laughs> <laughs> so and did you yeah. have to physically hold the air blower or just have yeah it was like it? so we had the crit ready and yeah. i set up and maybe that when they were asking questions mm. with the crit before i uh i like quickly blow it up as quietly as you can with a leaf blower mm. and walked away from it so it was like a like a one grasping of air mm. you know and so that was, what, yeah. what criticism or uh, did you get from when you presented this to uh, I got class? breast implants straight off. <laughs> but like large breast yeah, implants. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, your, yeah. your double Ds or anything like that. Yeah, it was yeah. like a giant right. thing. Wow. It was about, it was one meter in diameter. And that was like. Was there a lot of girls in the class? I mean, yes, but no, yeah. Um, but then after that, I yeah. did this work where I really wanted um a support system Mm -hmm. just for like my own mental health I guess and I played off lounge chairs like beach lounge chairs and how I was looking at I think 60s like soft in soft sculptures and they had a lot of I guess chairs that Mm. you know you would usually have in commercial galleries and things Mm. like that and so I was playing around with that and so I made these lounge chairs that you would hypothetically be able to lie down on but never quite Mm. could because yeah, yeah. one I made it and two I've never done this before and I had like constant air <laughs> yeah, to go yeah. through and yeah. I made um I think five different versions of the same one I did like a double mattress size mm. and I had some movement in it as well but you could also interact with it because I had little like air gaps from me not sealing it properly oh, you know right. yeah, and yeah. um had air holes where you can put your hand in and feel the materiality yeah of air as well so that was I really love that work until now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it sounds really interesting. Did, uh, were you looking at any particular artists at the time to uh, get some inspiration from or to sort of formulate some of your ideas mm. using the inflatables? I looked at a lot of um, big commercial um, inflatable groups mm-hmm. that did like huge domes and stuff like that. I hope don't remember any of the names for the life of me. Oh, okay. Terrible with names. So we're looking at commercial. Commercial as yeah. well mm-hmm. and some – like there were hardly any fine art ones, but they were all very much making large mm. inflatables. I guess I was more looking at how they were making it because mm-hmm. no one that I've met at that time had made any. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did you uh, have any disasters while trying to figure out uh, some of these um, structures? Oh, yeah, lots of disasters. Like I kept burning myself on the – on the sealer as oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> and every time that I wanted to make an incision, 
I'd always like burn through that because mm-hmm. it's always like really hot yeah. and things like that. So yeah, it, it was just like a learning curve. So you must have been a bit of an IHS nightmare for some of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was no one. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. It was just me trying to figure out how to do things all the time. Mm. But that was okay. Like it's it's just how it's meant to be, really. So how did you settle on using plastic? Was there any other materials uh, you were considering at the time or the plastics just became part of or became a little bit more of a uh, a foothold of how you wanted to exhibit some of the concepts you wanted to deal with? I think it was the materiality of plastic. I know it's not the best for the environment and I, and I know the connotations that you'd get with. Was um, that a concern for you at the time or you just still forged ahead? No, not really because mm. I thought that it was more than that. Like mm. it could be more than that and seeing the potentials of it rather than hey plastic is suffocating and it's you know yeah i wanted unbiodegradable yeah ruining the atmosphere yeah totally understandable yeah i i completely get that but i wanted the forms to speak for themselves and even if you still got that same connotation Mm. that you could still look at my objects as something other Mm. so do your objects have names titles (laughs) yes and no sometimes I guess with the lounge chairs, I called it Trust for One. Because Why is that Trust for One? Because it was only a one-person trustful. That was, you know, mm. the main idea. Mm. Um, and could the viewer actually physically sit on the chairs or was it more like a voyeuristic approach? A bit of both. Yeah. I mean, if you want to risk it, that's not your own terms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sign little, uh, yeah. <laughs> a little, a little agreement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I, oh, I should put yeah. a. I should probably have done that, actually. Mm. I remember I went to mm. uh, an exhibition in Santa Fe. Yeah. And one of them was um, they created like a big sort of uh, wrestling ring, but it was actually without the ring, just the foamy bits. Yeah. You know? So what you had to do is climb this platform. And before we actually climbed the platform, you know, the group of us go, oh, yeah, that'll be easy, blah, blah, blah. You know, we can do it. Yeah. But what you actually had to do is you had to climb these stairs. So you had to go on top of this platform. So you actually had a drop of, oh, I don't know, several feet, maybe 20 feet. How old's, how big is this? Probably from the top, top of the A-frame sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, which is what, about 12, 20 feet nearly? Yeah. Uh, and then you had to do a running jump and jump <gasps> off it and land on the, on the soft, cushy platform. God, right? the leap of faith. But once we got up there, you had to sign a form to declare that you're not going to sue but you, anybody. You, but you spent your whole time walking up there and preparing yourself and then yeah. sign. It's well, not even like before the walk. Yeah, we didn't actually think it was going to be such a, a huge concern because, oh, yeah, it doesn't look that far from when you're on the ground. Yeah. But when you're up the top, it's like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, it is. You know, can I do this? Of course you can. And I didn't think of it at the time, but I was wearing a skirt. So yeah. I think, oh, my God. <laughs> So this will be fine. <laughs> no, it ended up working really fine and it was an amazing, amazing experience. But it's just that idea of letting go and just, uh, you know, leaving yourself to the elements of what could, you know, happen. And um, and then at the end of it, you think, oh, yeah, that, that was, was okay. It was it's like drums. every, every yeah. roller coaster that you go on, you're like, yeah, yeah I'm really ready for yeah, this. Yeah. And then when you're at the, the you know, mm. the top of the line, I it's can't fine. do this anymore. Why yeah. can I, you know, and then you do mm. it. It was fine. I wasn't scared at all. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you think you might go with these inflatables? Are you creating more or are you deciding to work with other materials or um, or have your concepts changed a little bit now since leaving art school? 
Well, I guess I've also done a lot of casting. I like to make my own objects mm-hmm. to and accompany. Material you That's mostly working. like I'd work with wax and mold it and melt it, mm-hmm. manipulate it however I want, mm-hmm. and then I'll cast it into mm-hmm. resin. Okay. And yeah. potentially bronze if mm-hmm. I feel like it matches the concept. Um, so after art school, I tried to work out a lot more sustainable ways to help uh, support the inflatables, like mm-hmm. how I could keep them upright without yeah. adding it helium, for example. Yeah. And so making these structures, how could I do that? I'm mm-hmm. still like thinking about that. Yeah. And I've always wanted to do that, but also playing around with different objects that people can interact with or mm-hmm. questioning whether you can interact it the same way that you would with my inflatables. Mm-hmm. I see, yeah. When we talk about the uh, inflatables, what is the underneath concepts um, besides, you know, the obvious playing with air um, support structures? Is there something more that you're trying to explore in creating these works because they're not miniature works they're they're Mm. fairly huge you know sometimes taking up the whole room um sometimes you know there's they're fairly organic really um so is that something you can talk about or um i think the underlying themes i like to work with is trust Mm -hmm. and time uh trust in a sense that you're you, when you walk into a space and you're met with this huge mass and you're not quite sure what it is, so you're trusting whatever it is to treat you nicely, in other words, you know, mm. and you walk into a space and I'm, I'm hoping as an artist I'm lending that trust that you spent time with the work and you're slowing down mm-hmm. trying to understand it and appreciate the work on the labor or you know almost like an endurance piece you yeah. know with the work so what have been some of the reactions of when people have um entered the space to look at your works it's been mixed messages but i i, I enjoy that um i did a work at like with the trust for one series with the lounge chairs i did a work at george pan gallery and it was i don't know if I mean, for those who don't know, George Pan Gallery is at Parkville and it's like in the centre of... In Melbourne. At Melbourne Uni. At, mm-hmm. I think in the centre of the Union House. Um, and Towards the, the Carlton End. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of students who, I mean, they're all mixed and things like that. And so it, that's a really good space with different walks of people telling different things want to know more about what art is i guess Mm -hmm. and what art there is to show and so i did work there and you know everyone was scared to come in they're like oh what are these shiny things (laughs) at the door what are these Mm -hmm. moving bits most people if i asked them to come in and you can interact it was almost like i just given them a a little special key and they could run free and play with them So, yeah, I've had, I mean, and then in other cases, people have just stood at the door, smiled and said, that's cool, and left. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 Um, So do you think you might continue these inflatables or or have you moved on to create something different? 
I think I'll always go back to inflatables. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll be done with it for a really long time. Mm. So it's really interesting because they're sort of transitory type works, if I've said that correctly, um, which means that I guess for the normal viewer, it's not something that you can actually buy off the wall and take home and put up, you know, in your shop. Yeah. It's sort of like for that moment um, or for that exhibition or period of time, as you're saying. So how do you feel that you don't possibly will really sell the work, you know, you're not, I guess, necessarily selling the concept. It's not something that someone can buy, but they can think about it and resource it and, um, you know, all those kinds of things. Mm. So unless, I guess, a museum purchases it. Uh, yeah. And, um, so how do you feel that perhaps you, you know that after you've exhibited and, and shown it to everybody that you have to pack it down and possibly, you know, pack Never it Never show it again. Yeah, or... Mm. Or document it as, and it becomes something again, like a memory, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, perhaps forgotten, but we can always bring it back. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think I, I've accepted it, and I think that's okay. Mm. I'm not a person that's driven on money in mm. that sense. Mm-hmm. I'm not. So you don't do work for, uh, I guess. Uh, directed by a public, you know, and I mean, a, a money gain at the end. Yeah. 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 I'm happy for a museum. Mm-hmm. I mean, fingers crossed today <laughs> um, to, mm-hmm. to want me to come in mm-hmm. I and mean, invite me to make a work for it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if I ever get that opportunity, I'd mm-hmm. take it in a heartbeat. Cause mm-hmm. I think it's the more people who see it or mm-hmm. get to have an engagement with it, mm-hmm. that's the most prized possession for me yeah i'm mm-hmm. i'm more excited of people mm-hmm. looking at it and being really excited and wanting to know more so the mm-hmm. intrigue carries on mm-hmm. um well it's quite interesting because you, you're doing this year uh or you're sort of taking a bit of a um a, a break this year yeah um and i guess it, uh, it's probably a good time to have done it as well because of um all the unrest that we'd be getting uh in australia with covid19 and um other issues as well but um you also have decided to undertake a master's of education yeah uh, so ha- tell me how did that come to be is this like another passion uh, a side passion <laughs> a side passion that um yeah has always interested you um so in my gap year before deciding to do my master's mm-hmm. i wanted to i did a volunteering uh for a company called artsmart and artsmart did after school art classes for primary school and that was for year six. Well, well, for grade grade ones to six, pretty much all of primary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for the whole year mm-hmm. and really found that I was excited again. Yeah, yeah. Um, making work or like teaching art and things like that. So I decided to do my masters of teaching, early childhood and primary. Okay. Yeah. So you're focusing towards uh, early early primary? early yeah. years yeah. and yeah. All right, that sounds really good. Yeah, it's yeah. it's different, and I know a lot of people go into teaching, mm-hmm. but for mm-hmm. high school and university, mm-hmm. and I've done some teaching for university mm-hmm. and a bit of high school, mm-hmm. but I wanted to try my hand in early years and primary, okay, to see yeah. how I could manage mm-hmm. in that, mm-hmm. and I guess also studying about children allows you to think differently about a different perspective where there are less barriers mm. that as adults we come up with yeah, yeah and we're yeah. a lot more insecure about certain things i mean children are also insecure yeah. about things too but we tend to put up barriers and um i guess especially with women artists sometimes you know there's a, a huge doubt of confidence that comes mm. forth with 
making, producing art and exhibiting art. Yeah. Uh, which maybe we can touch on, you know, down the track with further interviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think with children as well, I, I had this master plan that one day I could make inflatables for children to play with and interact. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm, I'm still headed in that passion. In some cases, I've forgotten about it too because mm. you get so wrapped in mm. the placements that you go to and the children that you meet that you're mm. like, early childhood, yeah let's, yeah, yeah, let's do it and let's be a teacher and that. But then I also want to pursue art. So I'm in two, mm. two worlds and trying to find the connection is yeah. really hard sometimes. Yeah. But also I guess too, you have to, in the reality of life, you have to make a living. So in, in one way... Uh, the Masters of Education can offer you sort of like a paid job that could pursue your passions to create yeah. art until you get to the moment in your career that you hope that perhaps uh, your art will sustain you. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's something we all strive to do. Otherwise, why would you waste your time going to art school, you know, <laughs> yeah. and doing and, and learning the resources and skills? Well, thank you, Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> It's lovely getting to know you. <laughs> well, or, no, to share you with our readers rather than me yeah. getting to know you. Well, you're up. <laughs> oh my goodness, in the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about well, what I'm really interested in actually, because I think we've we all have different upbringings of how we get into art and finding that passion. Mm. But did you always want to pursue art as your career? Um. Look, I think I did. Um, I wasn't quite sure what direction uh, it was going to take me. Um, and I think probably as a young child you think, oh, I'll be a teacher, I'll teach. An you know, astronaut. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, look, I always did art as a young child, um, always encouraged. You know, mum was, uh, similar to your mum, very creative. Um, and, yeah, I just sort of, I don't know, it sort of fell into place and I kept doing it. And and I have to admit, I have to, you know, you get some encouraging teachers, and um, and those encouragement is, I guess, what gives you the confidence to persevere. I must say that I remember um, if I go back to my year seven, yeah. And sorry if they're all listening. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive us. I had the worst uh, teacher ever, and that would have been the only time that I probably may not have pursued it. Right, you know, but, uh, like, what did you do in grade seven? What type of art was um, it? Oh, look, it wasn't anything fantastic. Mm. I, the teacher, uh, I guess, was very realistic, um, and if you didn't do anything realistic or to formula, then it was not worth you oh. know, anything. Um, but, look, this is of memory. Some people liked her. Uh, but, look, I thank my lucky stars that uh, she didn't wasn't there for the rest of the time I was at high school because after that I had the most amazing art teacher ever. Yeah. And I and if any of my high school friends are listening, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, she was amazing. And I have to say, um, especially in high school, if you have an amazing art teacher, it makes such a huge difference in how you actually relate to the rest of your studies as well as just to the pursuit of, of art. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I... I think from there um, I kept going. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think the same too. Like in high school I had, mm. they're probably listening, 
But um, <laughs> I'm, I would never, I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, like, I couldn't say, you know, their first name, but I would yeah. just give a shout out. Miss Chamberlain and Mr. Yeah. Redhead. Yeah. Um, Miss Chamberlain was my art teacher mm. all through, like, grade nine mm. to 12 almost. Yeah. My memory, I think. Mm. And Mr. Redhead, my film teacher. Mm. But Miss Chamberlain, she always ask the questions and you know you're always fighting back at that age mm-hmm. all the questions that yeah, you yeah. you normally i think maybe you won't ask anymore but mm. you know challenging what art is and what it can be and the mm. potentials and yeah is it a pure art form that only mm. certain amount of people can do yeah, it yeah um and my film teacher always supportive of nature and creativity yeah the best mm. i think like you know those people mm. who are so early on can guarantee such an impact yeah, even yeah, now for like, sure yeah definitely i mean i know i could have pursued a, a life in science but um unfortunately i didn't you know biology for me that teacher and i just did not get on yeah you know uh but i do love science and i do love aspects of science which i sometimes even bring into my work um it may be very juvenile perhaps yeah. but um you know there was a passion there at one stage and I loved chemistry I couldn't say physics was anything great for me but Mm. chem was amazing and um yeah so I I think if you're lucky and you get a good round teacher that it makes such an easy transition into creating you know a pathway I guess to what you like to do yeah Mm -hmm. well I guess going into after high school Mm. and picking out a university and such Mm. What was your art school like? Um, well, I went to, uh, let's see, at the time uh, it was, uh, well, the university I went to, which was actually an institute of technology at the time, so it was called CIT, Chisholm Institute of Technology, which is now Monash University. Um, there was a transition, I think, when was it, 90, oh, I don't know, 93 or something, when the universities took over the Technologies or the institute, so it's Monash University um, now. Um, look, I was very excited to go to art school. Um, it wasn't everything I thought it would be, especially for the first year. After that, after I got through the first year blues, as they would call it at the time, yeah. <laughs> I was okay. Um, but why? What? What were you initially thinking for your first year? Um. <laughs> I hope in- <laughs> <laughs> just generally I hope no one gets offended by this but I, I expected a bit more excitement in the like and teachers and things more excited teachers or- were pretty pretty good they had their moments I guess you know but um the students themselves in fine art were a little bit more subdued reserved you know a bit too cool for school sometimes mm. and I was looking for this um so I was so excited to come to art school, you know. So you want to see you want to see some crazy characters, and and in one way they probably thought they were crazy, right? Just know? not not crazy enough, really. Yeah, maybe. I, I just you know, I mean, and I guess too, like all my friends went on to do uh, either design or they went to do other courses themselves. Um, so I guess I went to that particular university, uh, you know, as you do, show you follow, and they were fairly open about um, liking the work rather than having to wait like you normally do. Yeah. Um, you know, if we'll take notes and we'll get back to you in December and you'll get a letter of, you know. <laughs> Acceptance. Acceptance you, you can figure out if yeah. you accept. Yeah. So they were fairly open in the uh, interviews, which I, I found quite refreshing. And um, 
and maybe I could talk about that in another time too. Yeah. There's a few little stories about going for interviews that are rather <laughs> funny. But um, so I was actually going towards a career of design. I um, thought maybe design was my forte, but I started going for fine art interviews and because um, and I'm fairly open I, I, and gregarious and interesting, I thought perhaps, you know, it showed me another avenue that I actually hadn't considered at the time. And uh, so, yeah, that's, I went into fine art and, um, yeah. Did you, is that where, so in undergrad, is that where you started, where you fell into printmaking or was that? Well, funny, printmaking I fell into, I actually hadn't considered printmaking until year 12 and uh, my girlfriend and I in high school, we had to go and do art ex- externally. Like we had to go to another high school to do art because it wasn't offered. Uh, at your, yeah. Oh, okay. So it was a little bit of an adventure for us, which is rather cool. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Like a little excursion, like only <laughs> you and your friend yeah. know. Yeah, I was like, hey, we <laughs> yeah. It was really cool. And mm. uh, she actually introduced us to dry point, sort of printmaking. I mean, we did a little bit of line cut and stuff, you know, normal to a whole, you know, a high school. Uh, but, yeah, the dry point, um, and it was really funny because she said to me, oh, you find this so tedious, don't you, Tony? You know, <laughs> next, <laughs> next thing you know, I'm doing printmaking for the you know, yeah. rest of my life, you know. <laughs> I was studying at uni. You're just uh, trying to prove her wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it, was, it was just funny. Um, I must admit, like after high school, I did go and do what's I guess you would call now TAFE. At the time it was called oh, TOP, right, yeah. Art and Design. And it was the most amazing year of my life. And I think – the characters I met there and the teachers that were there were very inspiring, very, you know, uh, eccentric in some manners and uh, and some of the students were, made, you know, really interesting yeah. and um, and others weren't, you know, which is you find that everywhere. Yeah. So I guess when I was looking at art school, I thought I'd get that same sort of, you know. Excitement and yeah, motivation yeah. from other people. Yeah. yeah. But everyone, I guess, and plus, I guess, no, there was no one there, so you had to make new friends all over again. And, yeah, you know, then that's you always be, hard. Then you had to be, um, what do you call, too cool that you didn't really need friends. <laughs> <laughs> you were the cool loner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, what do you do in first year? Hey, it's just an experiment. It's just you know. Uh, but look, it was fun. We had uh, challenging teachers, and um, you know, uh, we can go on about that type of, I guess education back then uh when you look back on it you know things were never perfect like all schools things are never perfect but it was good yeah yeah so how did your what was your practice like then in undergrad uh oh very interesting go we're going back a bit yeah we're going we're going for the nitty-gritty we're going through the history Um, book look it was very um i guess the imagery itself was sort of collage uh where i would take lots of imagery from various resources my own newspapers um blah, 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 and, you know, you name it, I'll sort of, and then collage them together and create some sort of story. But I might have mentioned this to you earlier. Um, the works were a little bit distant. Like I was invested in them mm. and they meant something to me and I was trying to give off some idea between one image or the other, but uh, they weren't totally personal. Like they didn't come from my personal history at that time. And um, and I was trying to distance myself mm. then, which it's not a – what's the word? Uh, it was sort of a thing going on, I guess, with some of the – artists I was looking at at the time and at the time I guess I grew up with um being introduced to a lot of American artists you know like uh Rosenberg, Jasper Johns, Larry Rivers, uh you know Lichtenstein, you know Andy Warhol, you know all yeah. those guys but I mean there were women in there as well you know that I loved and picked from but um 
they themselves not necessarily invested their, themselves in this. So it was like a voyeuristic sort of view. And I guess for quite a bit I was trying to do that. I was trying to keep myself on the periphery. Out of it, yeah. Yeah, and, and play with the works. And I found when I went back to do my honours and masters that my more – I decided to take a more personal approach, you know. So yeah. I was taking things that were actually a little bit more, uh, you know, personally related to myself and put them in the work rather than – sitting on the periphery and making everybody get their own um, whatever they their got own from perspective. the work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. did you find that doing it pers- personal driven, mm-hmm. that the work changed considerably or oh, that yeah, it definitely. still remained Yeah, the same? no, it changed definitely. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. How? I don't know, it just changed. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the material, like the, the images and the icons and the symbolism, they all, yeah, definitely. they're all yeah. Yeah. personal. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. Mm. For me, um, and maybe to an extent yourself, coming from two countries, I was born in Italy, mm. we now live in Australia. Um, I had two really interesting ways of being brought up, but brought up two countries, feeling displaced in both, but yet feeling very comfortable in both. So yeah. in some cases, you know, going back to Italy, it's just like I've never left. And same with Australia. Sometimes in Australia, you know, it feels like I've never left. And other times it's like, oh, both countries are just insane. <laughs> yeah, there's no middle ground. Yeah, yeah. So in one aspect, I'm very lucky to have lived sort of in one way, living in two worlds in a way. Yeah. Um, and I guess a lot of probably artwork is trying to show that in the work. Really, when you look at it, you know, we're all very universal. You know, there's so many universal things that regardless of race, um, countries or where you're born, the ideas and what people are feeling are, are fairly universal. Yeah. Yeah. Just on different continents as well. <laughs> mm. So I wanted to talk to you about um, just briefly skipping through honours and masters. Mm-hmm. So in your honours back then, did you have supervisors? Uh, look, <laughs> it's a really interesting time and um, I I loved it and I think uh, I guess program at the time was great um, compared to how they're doing honours programs uh, today. And I understand, like today, they're under university structure, so they have to tick a lot of boxes to formulate with university procedures and so forth. But in my day, um, our honours program was basically based uh, on studio practice. Right. Uh, we had theory uh, or art history as well, but um, our supervisors was uh, studio orientated at the time, uh, where you know, you sort of allocated to a particular st- – you weren't necessarily – you didn't have to stay there. Your artwork could be whatever you wanted oh, to right, be. Oh, right, okay. But it just allocated you a studio as a base. Yeah. So um, they would help you. The lecturers who ran the honours program would help you and then we would meet every week uh, with the rest of the honours um, group, uh, the students who were doing honours in other um, studio areas. Uh, as well as their lecturers um, and head of department. So what we would do is we'd have an informal sort of, um, you know, evening as it was at the time, which I thought was great because yeah. you weren't judged on what you said or not said. Um, it just gave it an opportunity for people just to talk about their work or your work, whatever you presented, if you wanted to present something. Just throwing things out without yeah. having any. If you didn't feel vocal about talking about your work, you didn't necessarily have to do it. Everyone else could talk for you, <laughs> which was really interesting. So yeah. it's always really nice to see what other people's perspective or, you know, where they're coming from in relation to engaging with your work. Yeah. Um, we did have some formal, um, you know, work presentations, which, you know, they came to your work area. And, 
you show the work, you spoke about it, but not the pressures of trying to uh, prove some substantial, you know, um, theories or, um, you know, impose, I guess, what you actually wanted without in, in disregard to whatever everyone else was getting from the work. So yeah. for me at the time I was very lucky. Um, some people would prefer a better structure, but I, I think it worked really well with the you know students in our day. They got an opportunity to make their work without curbing everything before they made it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. 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 Mm. Did you straight away decide to do your master's or did you take a little bit of a break? Hmm. I'm trying to think now. <laughs> Uh, I think I took one year uh, because I I started teaching uh, that year after I did honours and then I applied to do my master's. Oh, right, okay. And was teaching something that you'd always wanted to do? I I think underneath it was, yes. I do love it and especially in the university sector, uh, adults and uh, high teens, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. So going, we're going back and forth here. Okay. Just, that's I'm ping ponging everywhere. Yeah, that's right. But at your masters, you had supervisors. You had the masters. You yeah. had three. I did. I started <laughs> with three. Was was wonderful. Very generous of three. Yeah, well, I should have three. Well, the reason I had three uh, was I initially had uh, a male uh, supervisor, or was supposedly getting two male supervisors, but the second male hadn't been allocated. Right. Uh, and then I ended up getting a female uh, art historian who was my second supervisor. So I had a studio practice uh, supervisor and an art historian. And then because I demanded a female um, supervisor, they allocated another one. Oh. <laughs> but then I, because I did, that's really nice of them. Though. I, was, I was fantastic. Yeah. I was very, I was very honoured. <laughs> um, no, they were wonderful. They were really good. And, and unfortunately, my third supervisor. Um, sort of left uh, because she said I was getting enough, you know, with another female. So um, so it worked out well and um, I was very lucky that all my supervisors got on really well. So our meetings were very informative for me and helpful and, and yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, mm-hmm. When you were picking out your supervisors, did you have a mindset where you wanted to pick a balance of theoretical and practical sense? Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, I wasn't quite sure. You sort of put down the supervisors you would uh, like to have mm. and then, you know, they have to go through um, a session of, um, you know, are they available, have they got too much on their plate and so forth. Yeah. And uh, my supervisor actually wanted, turns out they were not available and I got allocated different ones, which, you know, I was saddened for not being able to have the person we chose, but um, I was very delighted and it worked out fabulously with the supervisors that I got <laughs> yeah so big question here well maybe <laughs> Can I answer oh my maybe two big questions <laughs> yeah um now built it up um so first question <laughs> yeah first question mm. what did you do your master's thesis on and because mm. I think it's a good slatted yeah um doing the hand motions yeah <laughs> slatted um yeah. when do you feel most proud in all of undergrad and honours and masters, when did you feel the most proud of what you've A accomplished, but B what you've you know, what you've done in doing a masters? Oh, it's a hard one about feeling the most proud. I'm not let's sure. let's start with the thesis <laughs> and we'll roll thesis. in. Okay, well um, uh, mine was an interesting thesis. Uh well for me. <laughs> <laughs> and your supervisors, they have to be cheerleaders. Um, okay, it was called 
Oh, it's going back. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. Uh, I remember the title was called A Soul Without a Guide. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and it's it. taken from one of Michelangelo's letters mm. um, that he wrote um, at the time. Uh, it, was, it had to do a lot with uh, my identity, the displacement between uh, living um, in Italy and Australia. It also had to do with uh, the idea of home. And in Italian, we have the word casa, which means it can mean two things. It can be home or it could be house. And depending on your tone, if you're talking to an Italian person, they would, they would know that it meant, you know, casa, the structure, or casa, the home oh, that you create. Yeah. And I guess there's not many other languages really that sort of can have one word that means, I mean, there is probably, but <laughs> the only one I sort of think looked at at the time I think was the Greek I think the Greek in or maybe old Greek um, from memory um, had a similar differentiation so I'm not sure if in the Chinese family if there's anything there oh, no. <laughs> anyway you can ask mum stop listening right now before I say something yeah. <laughs> no. um, and then I was also interested before it became obviously popular uh, was the idea of artist books and and also the other uh, part of it was because um, my I was also like in different sections um, and I had to do a bit with materiality as well uh, you know if, if we're talking techniques also what we played in our home so one of those things was um the tame playing cards and i did a huge project on the tame playing cards um alongside artist books as well so yeah uh so it's a combination of all those so it's basically like this journey of of a soul without a guide (laughs) yeah no like i feel like it's very fitting it's kind of romantic in a sense Yeah, yeah 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 so second loaded question yeah in what, when did you feel most proud? Like after achieving that, you did your thesis, you did um, your body of work, or? Well, look, when you go through your thesis, uh, and most people will say this, um, even when they do their PhD, but more so I think with masters, is that um, in my case, you have, it was 50 50. You had 50 um, assessed through exhibition and, and work, and 50% through your exegesis. And um, combining the two is a bit hard, uh, but. I guess the most accomplishing part is um, looking at your thesis when you've done it and you've printed three copies. Yeah. Oh, my God, this is yeah. so surreal. It's I did a thing and <laughs> I wrote this book. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that aspect of it is like it was surreal and it's, sort of, it's a bit like that that high and that low you have after, you know, doing the work and exhibiting. You're so high to get to that point. Yeah. And then you've done it and you're in this sort of cloud of um, excitement. Yeah. And then it's all gone. <laughs> I've had this flat. But it was a mixture of all those, you know. Yeah. But I must admit, um, a lot of the work that I did in my masters carried on beyond my masters. So I found a lot of people looking at the work differently and um yeah. So oh that's really nice. I'm just kinda like I'm mem- I'm mesmerized. <laughs> like no, I feel good. like it's really good because like when yeah. I finished my thesis yeah. and I mean this is just honors, yeah. Nothing important. No, um, no, it's important, yeah. Uh, like I, there was, it took a long time to find all that information and then to put it together in your own words, especially. I found it really difficult because your because your time restraints is even less. I mean, I had two years and and I had a a child in between, so it actually extended to yeah. I mean, that's even amazing that you had the child. (laughs) Just saying, thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like you know, you're Mm. you're finishing your you know all this writing Mm. and you get to finish it like. Mm. My thesis is, mm. you know, in the living room, it's mm. there, it's proud, it's good. Mm. You know, and you can go back to it and mm. look at it. Yeah. And you go, wow, 
I was a really good writer back then. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, yeah but you, it's it's yeah. really good in that sense. Yeah, yeah. So I guess moving on from mm-hmm. your masters, after the, after that, you went to a few countries. You went to uh, do residencies at. Uh yes. <laughs> what did I do? I'm trying to think back. Uh, well, yeah, just after uh, my masters, what did I do? I went off to Tamarind. I went to the Tamarind Institute for uh, summer residency that they have there, and um, that was amazing too. I met some amazing lifelong friends from that, um, both in the the teaching part of Tamarind as well as the because um, they only choose eight people each year to do the summer residency. All right. Um, and it was really funny too because I didn't think anything of it at the time. Then I'm thinking, oh, just so I don't get on with these people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck with them for six weeks. <laughs> <so, you know. laughs> but they were amazing. They were fantastic. And, yeah. uh, and even to today I still keep in contact with, um, yeah, most of them. Yeah. Is there, is there one or two things that you really – what really stood out to you and what you like some little advice that you've given yourself or uh from that from that yeah, experience um, yeah <laughs> no not really <laughs> <laughs> just go for it do it yeah i wish i did it earlier but um you wish you did it earlier like well the funny thing was you never know you wouldn't believe this right but 10 years earlier i think it was 10 years earlier i think i can't remember i lost track of mine I was actually in Santa Fe in Albuquerque and um, the lithographic, uh, the Tamarind lithographic book uh, at the time, even though we didn't really touch it in undergrad, it was yeah. always a fascination for me. And I don't know why. It could have been, I don't know, just a process that perhaps, you know, I didn't actually get to really touch, but it was so close but yet so far, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. And in principle I knew exactly what was going on and I actually didn't read touch until I went back to do honours and uh, actually I like I did do it in third year <laughs> just for a little bit but I did yeah. more like was offset printing I was really interested in the traditional side of it yeah. the process is roughly the same just different machinery and different uh, plates so to speak so um, so when I was in the States um, this was after um, grad, uh, undergrad yeah uh, this book pretty much fell off the shelf and I went to this gallery and I thought, oh, my God, you know, and this was in Santa Fe. Yeah. And the funny thing was I'd left the place and then I said, no, I've got to go back and get it. And then I'm going, oh, should I get it? No, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, this book, though. No, this book is like the Bible. We used to call it the Bible. Yeah, but why wouldn't you get a Bible? Well, because I thought, you know, I'm traveling. Do I have to want to carry this? Can't you, know? you send it back? Well, at the time, I didn't. <laughs> at the time, you just carried things. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't lazy. We didn't have, yeah. you know. So I rushed back into it in the place and I bought it. And then I rushed back. We just caught our bus in time, too. So oh, my was, God. That's such it, a, wasn't it like a magical moment? Yeah. <laughs> slow mo down there and I kept thinking oh you know one day one day and then before you know it um yeah that day came <laughs> it was a few years down the track but, yeah um yeah it was great yeah and um yeah no I loved it it was really good yeah so after that mm-hmm. maybe a couple of years or so mm-hmm. you displayed your work in other countries so mm-hmm. let's talk about your experience in China specifically with the arrow work oh okay yeah yeah that happened um as part of the Impact Conference uh, in Hangzhou. And um, it's pretty amazing because uh, printmaking, you know, we have our own conferences. <laughs> but, like, the, only when I've met you that I've heard about these conferences. So that's the it's, interesting it's part. Really I mean, painters don't really have their conferences. Uh, Can you imagine sculptures? Sculptures yeah. having a conference. Well, sculpture and, and uh, drawing occasionally have it, but this has been ongoing since, you know, uh, 
the, the one coming in Hong Kong will be the 11th one. Oh, wow. So um, it's it's ongoing every – it's biannual every two years, um, sometimes three depending on uh, what's occurring. If they, and it's always hosted by a European city and then someone in the southern hemisphere. So pretty much um, – instigated in the UK mm. um, and so anyway going back to the China one um, look I developed this work uh, is a bit left field what I normally do and one thing I do use in my work at the moment uh, is the use of text and I, I sort of uh, from my third year I know from my honours year uh, we met this lovely international artist uh, who came to visit our studios and I think he gave me the confidence to to use text that didn't necessarily have to be my own text because at the time, you know, there's that Puritan view that you can't copy from photographs, you can't draw, yeah. you know, you have to draw from life or you have to use your own words to sound profound and, you know, um, so this idea of appropriation or taking things that weren't necessarily yours, I was lacking in confidence to yeah. do, you know. I think um, it's sometimes hard when you trying to find mm. the right words but mm. someone says it's so perfect yeah 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 and you want to you want to just borrow it yeah yeah, yeah. No, exactly <laughs> it, it sort of means something a little bit different and, and I can understand too that perhaps the original authors may you know look indifferently of how their words may be used in other parts yeah sorry I lost my train of thought now but anyway That's okay he gave me a huge confidence boost, especially. And so after that, I pretty much started using a lot of text in my work, uh, sometimes from my journals and diaries, sometimes I've borrowed or, you know, as a lot of people do, I sometimes take songs as my titles, you know, from uh, different moments in my life or I've heard it and I was it's doing just this thing and you. it just, you know, yeah. happened. So did um, you make the work in Australia first, like here uh, and then? China? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then bring it over? Week? Yeah, yeah. Um, Look, I had tried quite a few different things and and due to uh, what I had to bring over there, I had to modify some of the work. So the arrows that uh, I initially started making with points so forth I couldn't do, I had to modify because, you know, under restrictions of taking things into China and stuff, you know, you couldn't have something that uh, even though it was an artwork, it could have been construed as um, a, a form of weaponry or something that. Oh right, even yeah. even on an artwork, and even if it was like glued on and things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I'd glued on the points, it's not stopping anyone. Oh yeah, of course. Duh. Sorry, <laughs> I had a moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I could have done it in plastic or whatever, but anything that might have constituted. Uh, look, I don't know how far they could have taken it. Yeah. I, I just took it under my own um, initiative to perhaps. Let's not go there because they also said things like, you know, because um, you had to get letters of approval that you were showing this work and that you're going to take it back and, and so forth. So yeah. there were restrictions placed. So instead of me trying to handle it over there and convince yeah. them it isn't, I thought it was best to sort of clear out all this debris that perhaps uh, would stop me showing the work. And yeah. um, look, the funny thing was, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, I made the arrows and uh, I changed the arrows several times because uh, it just ended up being, you know, some were etched and then I decided, no, the etching on a mass was not working on the arrows. And right. I tried to find engravers and, and in Australia no one really was interested in doing some small job. So I, um, I ended up using um, vinyl, uh, which all the arrows had text on them. And um, and they were housed in uh, a two-dimensional sort of box space, which um, on a wall it would look like lots of boxes with text and the arrows actually coming out. So it was a flat work with a 3D oh, dimension yeah. coming through. Yeah. 
And so it was sort of going in, going out, you know. Yeah. Um, thing. It had movement without movement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and look, if we go to the point where if you really did want to buy a piece of work, you can buy them individually in Perspex boxes. So create, you know. So it was a bit of a digital work with a, um, yeah, like a 3D, like I was saying. Mm. Uh, and I made all the feathers, I made all the arrows, yeah, uh, which was an interesting project in itself. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other thing was because um, I, I printed them on Japanese paper, which I uh, created like a particular adhesive on the back to adhere them to the wall. And it's funny, everyone always can tell you how they can create a work. You know, why don't you do it all in vinyl? It'll be easier to But sometimes you want you want it something to look a certain way. So the angst of getting it the way you want it is probably worthwhile. Yeah. Um, They gave me a wonderful space um, to show the work. And um, at first I was a bit worried um, about it because the wall was actually textured. I didn't think anything about the textured wall. So the wall was textured, not flat, you know, as you think. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh, my God. But did they tell you that prior to? No, no. They just told me this is the space, this is the size. Do You You weren't allocated to a space before? Uh, they did. They allocated you a space, uh, and you had other artists in that space. We right. were in this lovely little space above, next to the um, university in Hangzhou, above the, um, I guess, art shop, and then they had like an art gallery. Oh, okay, being Up upstairs, mm. um, which was quite lovely. Subdued light. It looked very <laughs> Chinese, like in a like a house, you know, the struts and everything. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, like quite traditional. Yeah, in a yeah. And I was, yeah. I wouldn't say totally traditional. Mm. It's like an upgrade of traditional. like a modern you twist on yeah. traditional. Yeah. Uh, but it had a lovely feel as you went up and the subdued lighting. Mm. It just it worked. Quite lovely, and and you know the funny thing was I didn't think anything would go wrong, right? I didn't even. You always I, think that, and I'll tell you why I didn't think anything <laughs> of it, right? I only bought one set of works. I didn't think anything would go wrong with me sticking the works on or anything. And you know what? It all went fine. You know. Oh, I thought you were gonna go. You know what? It went terribly. <laughs> no, I have to tell you that it all went really fine. But when I exhibited the work in Australia, right? Right. I did the same thing and unfortunately, you know, I had someone uh, hanging the work. So I guess I knew at the time the sensibilities of what we went through because I had my friend um, from Federation Uni at the time who helped me put the work up um, and uh, he won't let me ever forget. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was funny when I set up for the exhibition uh, because I wanted to show it at, at the latest work Everything went wrong. No. We're all, and I'm like, oh, my God. And then I'm thinking, oh, my God, it could have been a whole disaster yeah, in China. Yeah. But I hadn't, you know, I don't know. It was it fine. been a fearlessness or something that happened, but it, it went well. Yeah. 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 And the funny thing was the textured work uh, created an illusion that the work looked like it had been painted on the wall. So if you oh, step wow. back, it didn't look like it was, you know, stuck on. Yeah. It looked like part of the wall. So Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. another added. Well, for me, I thought it was really good. And I had a lovely, I had a lovely uh, assistant. They gave us assistant there to help oh, us yeah. set it up, which she was lovely. And um, and it was really interesting. I recorded. I asked her what she thought of the work and how she interpreted. It. And um, yeah, she gave me an amazing response. Yeah, yeah. Oh. which was really great. So she's lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny how it happens. You know, mm. you saw the work a million times, mm. and on like the fifth million time that you've installed it. Mm. Everything goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I had to modify it. Yeah. I mean, it still went fine, but it was just shown in a slightly different context. Oh, way. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I wanted to talk about motherhood with you just briefly because I know how tough it is, motherhood on its own, but to raise your kids in a very artistic 
um, home mm-hmm. and having a really supportive husband. Um, Most of the time. <laughs> my- <laughs> Wait, <sorry. laughs> no, he's, he's, he's gorgeous. But um, what was it like balancing motherhood and pursuing an art career? Uh Look, it, oh, I don't know. What did you say? Uh, <laughs> look, it was okay. It was good. It was, yeah. I wouldn't say it was easy. I wouldn't say it was hard. But I guess, you know, the kids were just, uh, we're a family, you know. So I guess we, uh, they came with us everywhere and, you know, I made my artwork with yeah. while they were there. It's not like, you know, they were banished to, you know, another room or anything or um, they were part of our life, you know. Yeah. So, um uh, yeah, how do I say? <laughs> <laughs> like we just worked with them. Yeah, I guess. yeah. The, yeah. Were the universities um, supportive of you know um, flexibility? I guess. Yes. Look, when I went back to do my honours because I just had my first child. Uh, yeah, that's what I guess what made me decide um, I'm going back to Monash or another university uh, because I didn't want the stress of going back because I also was working another job as well at the time, to have this stress of um, making the work uh, just in case other issues happened at home, you know. Yeah. And, you know, one university, I mean, I made up my mind, one university was very, <laughs> as you can tell, uh, yes, bring them in, come down, you know, you know, we can work around your schedule. Whereas other studios were like, um, you know, don't you know how serious it is to do honours? And, um, you know, if you can't be here 90% of the time, it's not worth your while. And it's like, well. That's rough. Yeah. uh, I need a life as well. You know, uh, as well as much as art is my life uh, or part of our life, um, I still have my kids and, you know, a life outside that I want to participate in and be Mm. part of. (laughs) Motherhood to you, like you. I feel like you did a really good job in doing. It. I mean, I think it's hard. You're too kind. Too I think kind. it's hard. I mean, I don't have any kids yet, but in yeah. saying that, I know you know. Give you props for doing both at the same time because I, th- I think it's well. You need a support. If you have yeah. the support, everyone's you know. Um, and admittedly, too, I I had support from my immediate family and friends, um, but also I had prejudice thrown at me you know by people who um you know in the playground for example I was the only mother that started work and all the others hadn't and you know yeah they couldn't understand why I had to go back to work you know yeah <laughs> and um all pursuing our career for that matter I mean that was sacrilegious was like oh my god what's she do that for you know mm. <laughs> how dare you yeah and uh whereas it's probably not looked that different now um but also you know some colleagues weren't too sure how to handle people with kids you know um if a male had a, a child it'd be like all fanfare and hurrah bring out the balloons but <laughs> you know <laughs> it's no wonder we just had a child it's like oh my god my child is the best thing on earth <laughs> Sorry for all the male, you know, <laughs> colleagues, but you know, it was a pretty remarkable thing that a woman has a child too. So yeah. I don't know why the same thing. And doing is. masters too, like, and <laughs> having a second child. I'm sure they don't. <laughs> Still, like, it's, yeah, yeah. But anyway, look, we worked through it. Um, you know, there were good times and bad times. So, yeah, you know. Um, but I, I guess we just, I just took each day as it came, sort mm. of thing. I, you know, um, yeah. Um, do you feel like you have grown into your practice? Or has your practice grown into you in all of the years of experience? Good question. Have have I grown into my practice or has my practice grown into me? Oh, I don't know. My practice is there. (laughs) I'm probably not as prolific as I could be or as I want to be. 
Uh, I think I've slowly grown into my. I don't know. That's a good one. Can yeah. we come back to that one? Yeah, no, Can we I should. Ask you that question too later. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one because I'm not sure either. But yeah. I thought about it the other night, just like doing yeah. my research on you, because I mm. wanted to know more as well. Mm. Mm. I just I thought it was like a good question to mm. sort of round up where at where where at mm. you know in different life lives yeah in different mm-hmm. and also. You know the guests that we're bringing in, mm-hmm. and whether or not whether they can answer the question. Exactly. Well, yeah, it's a it's a good one. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> yeah, our <laughs> very first introductory podcast. Go easy on us. Yeah. So just to finish off, really, um, a lot's happening in 2020 this year, and a lot of sad, upsetting things. And Australia's probably hitting the worst from the bushfires to COVID. Oh, just non-stop, COVID, yeah. really. Mm. And there's no real words for it to make mm. things better. Yeah. You know? um, and but like anything, I guess we're just going to take one day at a time. And yeah. Yeah. Well, we just want to say that we are in solidarity with all that has that has and still is happening this year. And we just hope that everyone remains kind, compassionate and safe. Mm. And tune in for... In a fortnight. Yeah. Our very first guest, which is really exciting. And um, we hope you've enjoyed the program today. I know it's been a lot of chit-chat, but hopefully you've gone along with our conversations and... Get to know us a little bit better in different ways. Mm. And feel free, if you like, to um, DM us. We are on Instagram and Facebook if there's any questions you'd like to know or any guest artists you'd be interested to see on the show. And we'll all send us an email at... Say hello at the Brillo Girl. See you guys soon. Bye. Bye. This episode is sponsored by Adam the Flowerman. Adam the Flowerman offers floral styling for homes, weddings, commercial environments and corporate events. Tell him the Brillo Girl sent you. You can find him in Sandringham, shop online or in-store. www.adamtheflowerman.com.au Well, it's the Brillo Girls.